may be seated again. I have the pleasure of introducing today Stan and Nettie Sibley, uh, former members of First Baptist who served for years in our preschool Sunday school. And uh, they are house parents at the Georgia Baptist Children's Home on the Baxley campus um, in Vincent Cottage. And uh, they have come every year and shared their ministry with us. And uh, then as a church, we have tried to uh, encourage and support them. Uh, you do have an offering envelope in the pews in front of you. And um, this year we'd like, just like we did last year, for if you'd like to make a donation to support uh, the Georgia Baptist Children's Home that you, um, if you'd like to designate that for the Baxley campus. Um, as with a lot of uh, ministries, funds are a little low this, um, due to our economy, so we want to encourage and support that campus as it ministers to children around our community and, um, and state. Stan and Nettie are, are going to come, well Stan, excuse me, is going to come and share some of their experiences and uh, as Stan comes forward, I'll just say that they have uh, three children that were grew up here at First Baptist and they're all in ministry and they have one grandchild, Stan reminded me. So Stan, come and share with me how God is working in your life. Thank y'all. Uh, we appreciate uh, you letting us come today. Um, we get the beacon every week and I see new members every uh, time that it comes out so I thought I'd kind of give a little overview of what the Georgia Baptist Children's Home is all about and you know so forth like that. We are uh, members of the Baptist Convention. Uh, we have a campus here in South Georgia which is the Baxley campus. That's where Nettie and I work. There are campuses up in around Atlanta. There's several up there. The Central office is located in Palmetto, Georgia, which is n up near Atlanta. There's a, another campus in Meansville. There is uh, several group homes around up in that area here. But as far as South Georgia, our campus is really the only one down here. As you know, we're located in Baxley, Georgia, uh, about 12 miles outside of town. So if you're ever in that area, please feel free to come visit us there at the Vincent Cottage. Um, we take kids uh, anywhere from six years old on up to 18 years old. We will take them as early as five, but that's if maybe there'd be a sibling in the, uh, on campus or something like that, and they would uh, then be in, on campus just because of that. But mainly six, six years old is about the youngest we take. Now, uh, we had, just kind of digress a little bit, we had one young, little young girl that was six years old and she came about the first of the summer and near the end of the summer we were sitting around at the dinner table one night and she says when is this camp going to be over so she thought she was at camp you know so we tried to uh, explain to her that it really wasn't a camp and that everything was fine and that uh, hopefully sooner or later she would reunify with her family on up to 18 um, once they turn 18 they are legally can make their own decisions and, and do what they want to do. Some decide to leave, others decide to stay, and at that point they can sign themselves back in, particularly if they hadn't finished high school yet. That is one goal we have that we really want them to finish high school. So if they're 18, hadn't finished high school, then of course they can stay. We've got one girl that uh, now will be finishing high school at the end of this year. Uh, she's getting all her paperwork and grades and transcripts and everything. Send them, sending them to ABAC. She will be attending ABAC this next semester. So we're all real proud of her for that. But uh, that's basically uh, who we are, what we are. 
in how we do things. Now, as for our funding, we get no funding from the cooperative program. We get no funding from the Georgia Baptist Convention. The only funding we get is from the Baptist churches throughout Georgia. Uh, with their contributions, with their um, giving or whatever. So every Mother's Day, we have a big push as to, you know, go around talking to churches, asking and telling, try to tell a little bit about us, and to ask for any contributions you may feel led to give through your uh, giving, um, the Lord leads you. So uh, usually that's reading always come the Sunday before Mother's Day here at First Baptist Tifton, because... Um, on Mother's Day, I think you have the uh, baby dedication and everything and wouldn't have time to be to come up and ramble on as I'm doing now. But um, we, uh, we do enjoy coming. This has uh, really been a uh, mainstay in our family, First Baptist Tifton. As Sabina said, all of our children grew up here. Uh, I know at least one or two were baptized here. Uh, my middle son worked with Bill in the, the youth group. Uh, he is now youth minister at... Uh, church in Augusta. He's the one that has the grandchild, and, and as I was saying this morning, probably the best grandchild in the world. I'm sorry if anybody else <laughs> may feel a little different, but uh, we uh, do appreciate anything you might feel uh, led to give. Um, as Sabina said, we're, uh, the economy's bad. We're having trouble, so uh, we used to, you know, say give to Vincent Cottage, and if you ever come to Vincent Cottage, you can see what First Baptist Tifton has done for Vincent Cottage, but now we're asking that you give to the Baxley campus of the Georgia Baptist Children's Home to help with expenses and salaries and stuff like that, but uh, we do appreciate anything you could do, and Nettie and I will be here after service if you have any questions. Uh, one thing I need to, uh, you know, put a little, a little, um, I can't remember, can't think of the word now. Anyway, if you would like to get into this type of work, uh, we are shorthanded at the Baptist, uh, at the uh, Georgia Baptist Children's Home and at the back, back to the campus, and they're shorthanded at other campuses too, so I'd be glad to give you information on how you could uh, do this work. But we appreciate it, and thank you a lot, and God bless you. Thank you. Let's stand back up. What a great organization. I know my father-in-law's gone several times. It's cool, the first sentence of this song says, I once was fatherless. We're talking about people up here giving that testimony. What a great father that we have in Jesus Christ, knowing that even if our earthly father forsake thee, he says, I will never leave you, ever. Victorious we 
every day God and I so need that I fail you every day God and it's only by your loving grace and your mercy that you save me every day I am my greatest enemy God and I need you God I need you to save me every day thank you you can be seated
a special guest this morning. A uh, young man's going to play for us and sing for us as we get set up. Um, we're, we're so proud of the youth in our church and how involved they are. And not only, not only uh, the, the youth ministry and the children's ministry and Bible study and all that, but also worship and praise and music and song. And this is uh, Bailey Lawson, and he's going to do a piece for you this morning. Give us a few seconds to get set up. I don't have any jokes to tell or anything like that, but... Uh, I'll try to network time kill just a moment. And uh, Brian March is going to come.
Bailey and, and Brian. That's a beautiful song. Thank you. Well, this is Children's Day. And uh, I have a passage from uh, Genesis chapter 27 to talk about something that I feel very strongly about. I cannot overemphasize the importance of the message this morning. It's, it's involved with blessing your children. Giving your children a blessing, and, and the reason I feel so strong about it is because I see children come along every time who, who never please their parents, who, who don't seem to be able to do enough to make their parents happy or proud of them. It's a sad situation. Uh, Genesis 27, 18 through 38 is a passage of Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau. And uh, what happens when Esau fails to get a blessing? Genesis 27, you can read the whole chapter. I need to start at verse 18. Basically, the background is uh, Isaac is on his deathbed, and uh, he calls Esau in to go out and, and kill him a dinner to come in and feed him because before he dies, he wants to eat a last meal and bless Esau. Well, Rebecca's standing in the eaves, and she hears Isaac's plans, and so she goes and gets Jacob and says, you don't go out and hunt something, you go out in the field and bring a, a kid in and kill it, and I'll prepare uh, Isaac's favorite meal, and we'll disguise you as Esau, and you go in, and you feed Isaac this meal, and he'll think you're Esau, and he'll bless you instead of Esau. And then what happens as a result of that? Genesis 27, verse 18 so Jacob, he, Jacob, went into his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am, who are you, my son? Because Isaac can't see at this point. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you, as you have told me. Sit up and eat of the game that you may bless me. Isaac said to his son, how is it you found it so quickly, my son? Because Isaac thought that Esau would have to go out and hunt down a deer or, you know, a wild animal and, and come in and, and kill it and prepare it. Jacob answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. Isaac said to Jacob, come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. You see, uh, Rebekah had taken a goat skin and put it over Jacob. And over his arms. So when Esau felt his arms and his back and smelled him, he smelled and felt like Esau. That's something to smell like a goat, isn't it? The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. And so he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. He said, um, bring it to me that I may eat 
of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. His father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him and he smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, see the smell of my son is the, is the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. May your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you. Blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, Jacob had scarcely gone out of the presence of Isaac, his father. Who's going to show up? Esau. Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. He also prepared savory food and brought it to his father. And he said to him, Father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? He said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me and I ate it all before you came and I have blessed him, yes, and he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came with guilt, with guile, and he has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? Jacob means supplanter or, or one who comes after. For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright and behold, now he's taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau. This is sad. Behold, I have made him your Lord and all his brothers I have given to him for servants and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, have you but, but, but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Sad to have only one blessing and give it to the wrong son. Let's pray. Father, as we read this passage from the Old Testament and, and the importance of passing a blessing on from parents to children, make us mindful of how hungry our children are to feel our approval, our affirmation, our support, our love, and our encouragement. Help us bless them with those words that will sustain them throughout their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When God blesses us with children, we want the very best for them. I remember my father asking my father one day why he worked so hard. And he said it was because he wanted to give us things that he didn't have growing up. My father grew up in the Depression in Asheville, North Carolina. And he used to tell stories of selling newspapers on the street corners in the snow he told a story, and they're true, he told the stories of putting cardboard in his shoes so they would, the soles would last longer. He grew up um, very difficult situations, and he wanted to assure us that we wouldn't have that. So he, they didn't, my parents didn't give my sister and me a lot of things, but they gave us food and clothes and a roof over our head and a good education because those things were important to those who grew up in the Depression. Our, my generation has taken it a step further, I think almost a step too far, because now 
we want better for our children than we had, and so we're buying designer clothes and every video game and every toy, and, and we'll throw a party even when it's not their birthday or a holiday. Anything they want, almost their every whim, we want to try to satisfy because we want better for them than we had for ourselves. But let me tell you, there's one thing that your child needs more than anything else. More, I'd say more than food and clothes and a roof over their head. Your child needs to know how much you love them, how proud you are of them. They need your approval, your affirmation. They need your blessing. Genesis 27 is one of those stories in the Bible. My mom read through the Bible one year, and I remember she said something about the Old Testament. She said, you know, I don't know why they put all those stories in there. It's one of those stories that, that you wouldn't think about as uh, really edifying or uh, really doing a family very proud. But I love the Bible because it is so honest and so true. And the story of Isaac and Rebecca and how Rebecca manipulated and deceived her husband and, and tricked him into blessing her favorite son, Jacob, instead of his favorite son, Esau, is a, is a remarkable story of how a blessing in a family works. If you read the Bible closely, turn over to uh, Genesis 35, verse 28. This is really interesting. Verse 27, Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, or Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. Now the days of Isaac, listen, were 180. And Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. So Isaac was 180 when he died. If you flip back to Genesis 25, 26, you'll see where I'm going. Uh, this is the birth of the twins. Esau's first and then, and then uh, Jacob. Verse 24, when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came forth red, all his body like a hairy mantle, so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came forth. His hand had taken hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob, which means he supplants or tricks. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Now, if Isaac was 60 when they were born, and he's 180 when he dies, how old does that mean Jacob and Esau are when their father dies? Hmm? 80, let's see, 60 minus 180, 120. They're 120 years old. They're pretty feisty for a couple 120-year-olds, aren't they? Going around. And the blessing in the Old Testament is so important. We don't have a counterpart for a blessing today. Although I know, you know, when you put your children in a car and send them off to college, you want to say something special. When you're standing with your daughter in the vestibule of the church before she comes down the aisle in her wedding dress, you want to say something special. But a blessing in the Old Testament was crucial, and, and one generation passed it on to the next, usually the father passing it on to the oldest son. And, and what we don't understand today is the power of the spoken word. Why didn't Isaac just say, oops, I was tricked, I take it back, never mind. You can't do that. In the Old Testament, words were like arrows, and once spoken, they headed straight for their destination and their target. And, and there's even stories of uh, rabbis who ducked 
trying to avoid words flying over their heads because they thought words had a life of their own. They, they had that kind of power. And once spoken, they could not be called back. They could not be retrieved. Isaac couldn't take back the blessing that he had spoken over Jacob, even though it was a trick, even though it was deception. Isaac said, well, I have spoken it. This must be God's will. And so what was done was done. Isaac blesses Jacob by mistake, and Esau comes in, and this is the saddest verse in this whole passage. Verse 38. Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Esau sought his parents' blessing. And let me tell you, folks, that's something your children desperately need, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews. Everybody here has the power to speak a blessing over a child, to encourage them and affirm them and support them. You can do that. You see a child that that is beaten down or discouraged, go over and put your arm around them and tell them something positive and encouraging that will uplift them and help them through a tough time. And you don't have to wait until you're dying to do it. And you don't have to do it just once. You can do it every day to your children. Tell them something. When you, when you come home at night, ask what they did that day and then tell them something that you're proud of, that they accomplished, how they talked to somebody, how they encouraged somebody. You can encourage them. Find something good that you can encourage your children about. There are different ways. So you see how much I believe in, in you know, blessing our children and, and approving them and affirming them. How do you go about doing that? I've listed one, two, three, four, five ways outlined in your bulletin to show your children that you love them and you bless them. First of all, Love and affirm them. Words are powerful things for a child. You know, other people can say good things, but it doesn't mean a hill of beans compared to what their parents think of them. Because they want to know what you think more than anything else. And a child needs your approval more than uh, food or water, I strongly believe. Now, I was reading an article in uh, Christian Reader a few months ago and they said how you need to be honest about doing this. If your child does something half-hearted, don't say it's the most wonderful thing in the world. You know, say, I've seen you do better. There, there are ways you can say things positively without tearing them down. So be honest, but at the same time, be encouraging and supportive and loving and affirming. Secondly, the, one of the best things you can do for your children is to work on your marriage. To bless your child, love your spouse. I've heard it said often, the best gift you can give a child is to love your spouse. Because when a child feels secure, when a child feels safe in that home environment, that's, that's a blessing the child really needs. And uh, if you're single, you can still bless your child. It's just a little more difficult because the responsibility is larger when you have to carry it all alone. So if you want to bless your child, work on your marriage with your spouse. The third thing is be consistent in your own testimony because your child is learning from you right and wrong, good and bad. They're learning from you. You know, if you say one thing in public but do something else at home, 
then they're going to compromise their own beliefs and values and understanding. So be careful that what you say and do is consistent and has integrity and is the same thing in private that it is in public. I'm talking about your character here, what you say with your mouth back up with your life. And another thing here is, is a lot of parents, I think, make a mistake by putting their children in the center of the universe. Your child needs to be a part of your family, but your family doesn't need to revolve around your children. Your children need to know that they fit into your world, not you trying to fit into theirs. And, and parents all the time let children make important decisions that parents ought to be making. So parents, you be the parent, and you make the decisions. And then explain to the child the wisdom of that decision and help them learn in that process. The fourth thing you can do quickly as time is of the essence, point them to God. A lot of folks say, you know, you ought not teach your children religion or politics. And I say, why not? <laughs> you know, where else are they going to learn it if they can't learn it at home? Introduce your child to God by the way you live by the way you come to church, by the way you worship. And, and you can't make your child profess faith in Jesus Christ, but you can create a climate that predisposes them to faith in Christ. You know, you can kind of, sometimes I think of it like this, you can kind of plow the field to make it easier for God to sow the seed when the time is right. I remember going home from church one time, and Catherine was three years old, and she wanted to tell me what she had learned in Sunday school that day. And she said, and I wrote it down, she said, God's baby died on the cross for us and spilling his blood saved us from our sins. She was three years old. I didn't baptize her until she was six. But uh, that just goes to show to me that you're never too young to start learning, are you, Sabina? We have children in our nursery in the cribs and those workers read stories about Jesus to them. Like if you hear the name of Jesus, Sabina's goal is that, is that when they come to church, Jesus is that name they hear over and over. And you're never too young to hear it. And you're never too young to start learning about God's love and Jesus' death on the cross. Every parent wants to give their children so much, but the best thing you can give your child is preparing them to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. You can bring, every parent can bring their child to Sunday school and church. And since that gift is so precious, why would you not want to do that? It doesn't cost you a dime to bring your child to church, to, to bring them to Sunday school, to, to prepare them, to open their hearts to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's the best gift you can give them. You can point them in that direction. And when the time is right, when God calls them and convicts them, then it'll be easier for them to invite him into their lives. Fifth and finally, and this is a hard one for me especially, is to let them grow up. There's a temptation to keep them as children. You know, all the time I hear parents say, they're so cute, don't you just want them to be children their whole lives? Keep them small. Well, you know, I think we could do that, but God in his wisdom brought them to their teenage years. And then you can't wait for them to grow up. It doesn't happen soon enough. 
But then they go off to college or whatever, and I, I know there's a fear involved because there is evil and danger out there in the world, but you never stop loving, you never stop praying, you never stop caring, but you do need to stop controlling them because you need to let them grow up and trust the fact that the values and the examples and the lessons that they learned in those years growing up will take root and they will make it their own. When did you know you were blessed as a child? Do you, I bet you, you can remember those times that your father told you, I'm proud of you. You can remember those times when your, your mom hugged you and expressed her love because those are such precious moments in your development as a child. I remember like it was yesterday, we uh, in South Carolina built a building sort of like this. It was in September of 93, and my parents, my father was still alive. They came over for the dedication Sunday, and that evening my father came up and put his hand on my shoulder and said, I'm proud of you. He died shortly thereafter, and uh, I wouldn't take a million dollars for that moment of affirmation and encouragement because my father was not very sentimental, not very emotional. As I said, he grew up in the Depression, and things were tough, and so he never expressed a lot of love openly, but but those times when he said, I'm proud of you or I love you are worth a million dollars, more than a million dollars to me. If you have reached adulthood and have never felt your parents' approval, I've got good news for you. There's a heavenly father who loves you and accepts you just as you are, more than you can realize more than you can imagine. And, and the good news is you don't have to be like Jacob and sneak up on God and try to deceive him into giving you a blessing that you don't rightly deserve. God is there to offer you his blessing and his love and his acceptance and to prove the depth of it. He sent his son Jesus Christ down the cross for your sins. He reaches out to us and makes us his children just as we are and he loves and blesses and affirms us just as we are. I wanted you to see in the passage today how desperate Esau was for a blessing because I think that's the cry of every child. Father, mother, bless me, encourage me. Tell me you're proud of me. Find something positive to say. It's so easy to tear a child down and their, their emotions are so fragile and so vulnerable. Build them up. Find something good. Encourage them and bless them along the way. Will you bow with me? Father, it breaks my heart to see a child beaten down because he or she could never please his parents. Never good enough, never perfect enough, never able to say all the right words or do all the right things just as their parents would have them. And eventually they give up. and decide that they are of little value. 
because their parents didn't know how to show their approval, their affirmation, or their blessing. We look at Jacob and Esau and how you work through that dysfunctional family to bless the nation of Israel. Our nations aren't, our, our families aren't perfect either. But if you can work through that family, then maybe you can work through ours too and help us overcome our mistakes and our failures as parents and help us shape and mold our children into adults who understand that even though their parents aren't perfect, that they're loved and accepted and blessed just as they are. God, you've extended that kind of blessing to us And while we were still sinners, help us extend it to our children. And if there is a grandchild or a niece or nephew or a a child that we notice out of the corner of our eye standing on the sideline, Father, fill our hearts with such love that we'll wrap our arms around them and encourage them and bless them and support them. And by embodying your love, bring them to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing an invitational hymn this morning to give you a chance to respond. If you'd like to come forward publicly and declare a profession of faith that you've made privately, now's the time to do it. If you need to rededicate your life, if you'd like to join this church, we would welcome you. This is a church built on love. We care about children. We care about young people. We care about adults, senior adults alike. This is a a place where you can call home. You come forward as we stand together and sing.